You are listening to The Marketing Funnel Show, episode number 48. I am excited today to introduce you to Chef Shelly from Chef in the Burbs. Chef Shelly is here today to talk about the triumphs and frustrations in launching her first marketing funnel for her business and to share how she turned a passion for cooking into a truly incredible business. Welcome to the Marketing Funnel Show. I'm your host, Michelle Evans, and this is the podcast for coaches, experts, and online business owners to learn how to go from simply surviving to sold out using the power of marketing funnels. All right, let's jump into today's show. Hey there, welcome to today's show. I am so thrilled today to have Build Your Funnel Bootcamp star student, Chef Shelly on the pod. You know what, my my youngest son, Mason, uh, just started the first grade and I went to curriculum night last week and they've got, you know, their classroom stars of the week. And I feel like every time I have a student on from Build Your Funnel Bootcamp, it's their week to be the star, right? And you know what? I love featuring their stories. There's so many great people with really interesting businesses out there who are finding, you know, that um, marketing funnels can really help them. So anyway, let me tell you just a tiny bit about Chef Shelley. First of all, I wish that she lived closer to me because I would totally hire her for my picky eaters. In fact, she's got some great recipes on her blog and I borrowed one and made it the other day. It was delicious, but I was like, man, I'd love to hire her to just do this for me. Uh, but she lives in you know, Texas and I live in Washington State, so kind of far apart to do uh, personal chef stuff. But I I wish that, you know, she could live closer because I've got really picky eaters and, you know, I love to cook on Sundays when I have lots of time and no soccer games or any other gajillion activities to run off to. But anyway, that's a, that's a story for another day. So Chef Shelly has an interesting business. She's the chef and owner of Elegant Eats, where she's been a personal chef for going on 12 years. And you know what? Her story that she's going to share in today's podcast about how she actually became a personal chef is so amazing. I just love it. She didn't go to culinary school, which P.S. I had no idea, but culinary school can be like thirty to $80,000. That's insane. Um, so she didn't go to culinary school. She didn't get any fancy training, but she's got a really like deep soul, passion, and love for food and cooking and an incredible determination to figure things out as she goes. So Chef Shelly is truly a person who follows her instincts and doesn't let excuses stand in her way. In fact, she says that she became a personal chef when she got too old and tired to do catering and work in restaurants, (laughs) which I just love. And then she goes on to say, Uh, because this part I absolutely relate to. When she says she's too old and tired, she means that she had children. I totally get that. So if you have something that you love to do, like Chef Shelly with her cooking, and you're ready to package up all your learning, all your insights, all your quote unquote school of hard knocks lessons into 
you know, something like a course or an offer or something that you're going to make it easier for others to do what you've done, you're going to love this podcast interview. So let's jump on in now. All right. I want to welcome Chef Shelly to the Marketing Funnel Show. I am so excited to have you here because I think that who you are and what you do and who you serve is so interesting. And I would love for you to take just a moment and introduce yourself. Well, um, I'm Chef Shelly, as you said. I have some other roles in life. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a volunteer, all that stuff. But in business, I am obviously a chef. I love it. And how, so what kind of a chef are you? Let's just start off there. Okay. I am a personal chef. And in case the listeners aren't familiar with that, not everybody is. You think of a private chef who works for one client all the time. They're at their beck and call. They're probably salaried. They cook whatever they want when they want it and serve it to them. Maybe they travel with them. That's a private chef. As a personal chef, mainly what I do is serve multiple clients and I'm making them like a week's worth of dinners at a time that then they eat whenever they want them. Mm, I love it. That's so I have to be honest, when I had really, really young kids, we had a personal chef for a while and it was so phenomenal because I literally just had to take something out of the freezer pop it into the oven and a lovely dinner was ready and I didn't have to do any of the cooking, the prep, the cleaning. Like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I cook all day for a client and after that I'm like, I don't know what we're having for dinner. I wish I had a personal chef. <laughs> it's pizza night. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we probably need to get back to it. As I was going through and taking a look at your funnel, I was like, I don't, why did I ever get rid of the person because it's a it's a phenomenal service that you give to your clients right and that's uh just goes to show that sometimes people who are in businesses where they're more of an artist like being a chef they're not very good at business because if that person was staying in front of you even just a little bit you might have already gone back to having services it's true i don't think i've ever gotten an email or anything from them yeah. <laughs> um, and I probably would have. I, I'm not even sure why we stopped. I think we went on vacation. And just when I came back, it just kind of stopped and I never restarted. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, anyway, probably time to find somebody new. Um, and so, you know, tell, so you have this part of your business that's all about you being a personal chef to your, um, to your clients. And what's the other side of your business? Well, I've been a personal chef for about 13 years. And before that, I had worked in restaurants in the front of the house, which means like as a server, back of the house is traditionally what you call the kitchen. And I wanted to go to culinary school, but I wasn't able to afford it after college. You pretty much need to go to work. And my parents were like, yeah, we're pretty much done paying for school. So I never got to go to culinary school. So I ended up working in IT, which was great because this was back in the early 2000s when IT was booming and it was really easy to get into the field. Well, I ended up meeting a guy and falling in love and he took a job transfer and 
we decided to move in together. And so we ended up moving from Colorado where we met to Texas. Well, that happened to magically coincide with the IT bubble bursting. Oh, and so then I was, could not get a job. I had no contacts and no network and I could not get a job. So I started doing a bunch of random jobs, trying to just get my feet under me. Meanwhile, my boyfriend at the time is working his butt off at a real job that he took a transfer for, which is in a totally different field than mine. So he couldn't help me. And we're not even engaged or anything. And I'm feeling like I'm not, I'm feeling like a loser. I don't have a job. I'm not bringing in any money. We just moved together. This sucks. I don't know what to do. And so I was, you know, looking around at other things. I tried to do an MLM for a little while. It sounded really exciting. And then I discovered I'm really bad at sales. So that was not a good fit for me because that's kind of important when you're doing that. And I was at home by myself during the day moping and going through my food magazines and stuff. So I love to cook all the time. And I had done like little catering jobs for friends in Denver, but again, didn't know anyone now that we had moved so i didn't even have any of that like side work and there's this crappy little ad that i'd seen a million times before in the back of one of my food magazines and it said you know be a personal chef and it was this weird black and white photo of this frumpy lady in an apron standing in a kitchen and a home kitchen and i'm like i don't get that what is that i've got absolutely nothing else to do right now i might as well send away for this for sure because i got nothing and this is like the olden days. Like it wasn't really that long ago, but it was the olden days, right? <laughs> yes, it was the olden days enough that looking at a print ad wasn't weird, but it could have at least been color. <laughs> right, right. So, and sending, when you say send away from uh, right. you're not signing up for something uh, with your email, right? <laughs> right. Just for perspective so people know, I'm almost 50 years old. So this was, you know, how it was back then. You know, you could send away for information. The internet was just, going but it wasn't anything like it is now right this was like 2002 right 2001 2002. yeah 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 which makes me laugh to even say that now so <laughs> um eventually so i got the brochure and it didn't really have that much information and i didn't really know what to do with it so i started trying to look online and i like found an out of print book which was a little you know that's doesn't give you a lot of faith in a business when this, you know, books out of print telling you how to start the business. And so I kind of fumbled around. And at the time I happened to be working for a caterer, but again, it was in sales. So I would be selling this food and I'd be like, Oh, I wish I was making the food. My passion's about the food. So through kind of trying to figure out the personal chef thing and what that could be, I started piecing together information from different places. And I started telling people that I was a personal chef and that I could per be their personal chef. You don't have to cook. I can be your personal chef. And it was hard because they didn't really know what that was either. So I kind of had to learn how to explain that. So fast forward, because I could probably take the same amount of time to tell the story as I lived it and nobody wants that. I started to get a client or two and I started to refine what I was doing and I would, you know, teach a cooking class every once in a while or do a little catering every once in a while. And right about the time I started to figure it all out, I got pregnant. 
because oh, as a woman, you know, <laughs> that's when it happens. You try for six months and nothing happens. You're like, maybe we should put this on hold. Then you get pregnant. So right as I was starting to get traction, that happened. So then I was like, what am I going to do? I'm back to making no money. And I'm like, well, I'm pregnant. It's not like I can't work. So I kept working and I kept getting clients. And then when I had the baby, I took time off until I felt like I could work. And then I took the baby with me and he would nap or I would play with them a little. And because I'm working in my client's home and we have that kind of relationship. And at that age, you know, you can take a kid. He wasn't a, you know. Drop them in and they're good, right? Right. They don't move a lot in the beginning. So <laughs> then, you know, time went on and I really built my business and then I had another baby. And then, you know, I went a little part time for a while and now they're both in elementary school by that time. And so then I started working full time and everything was great. And then I realized I really have this system down. I really, after all these years, know what I'm doing. And I have a lot of friends who are kind of in the same situation where they're, you know, they want to bring in some income, but they have kids. You know, maybe they've tried like Pampered Chef, but they don't want to do nights and weekend parties. And they're trying to do online parties and struggling with that. Or they're trying to do a food blog. And that can be a huge challenge to try to get the massive traffic you need if you're just getting advertising. So that's when I realized that I could help other moms by teaching them how to be a personal chef. If they already love to cook, they already have that passion. So I put together an online course, how to teach that. So now I have just my part-time clients and I'm coaching other women who love how to cook, how they can do a do make the side hustle their primary hustle i guess i love that i am just plugging in just i know some people are gonna watch this video because i can hear the garbage truck coming and it's about to get really loud so i'm just yeah. switching over to this sorry i'm not i love your story and and the thing is is that like you just show that following your passion can actually turn out. I know a lot of times people kind of poo poo that, but it can actually turn out because your whole thing is, I really want to cook. Like, this is what I want to do. And I have to figure out a way to make it work for me because you didn't want to go back to restaurants, right? Well, right. And that's the thing too. It's like restaurants, it's all nights and weekends work and you make crap for money. And so I would never see my husband. And that was even before they had kids. And I think that's the problem. When you love to cook, the avenue you see in front of you is culinary school and working in a restaurant. And just so people know, because I had no idea until we started working on your funnel and you told me this, how much is it to go to culinary school? It starts at about $30,000. And it teaches you how to be a restaurant chef. It teaches you hardcore techniques for a restaurant and how to run a restaurant. And some culinary schools are upwards of $70,000, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The better the reputation, the more like CIA in um, the wine country in California is over 70. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is so crazy. Because, I, I mean, that's like getting an MBA. What, what, just so people know, like, what can a chef make coming out of those programs? Well, I was just going to say, except I, 
don't have an MBA, so I don't know how that works when you're done. But when you get a job in a restaurant, you start on the bottom. Even if you've done an internship while you've gone to culinary school, you're not going to be making more than $15 an hour. That is insane. So clearly you either have to have parents who can put you through it or you take on a giant amount of debt that good luck paying off at 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. And plus the fact that you're competing with people who maybe didn't go to culinary school, but they've already been in restaurants for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, have the connections and stuff. And so for you, um, because I know that this is something that comes up a lot with your audience, but how did you get past the, I didn't go to culinary school, but I'm still calling myself a personal chef. How did you kind of get past that? Or was it ever even really an issue for you? I think like a lot of people, when you're passionate about cooking, I was cooking all the time. You know, I cooked for us. I cooked for friends. You know, you take food with you places. I mean, later I would cook, you know, take stuff to the school. But invariably, when you're cooking that much and giving people your food, somebody asks you if you will, you know, we're having some friends over. Will you do cater? And that's another thing, too, is that they commonly, commonly think that you're a caterer. Mm -hmm. But that is a great stepping stone into cooking regularly for people. So invariably when you cook that much and get it out there, people ask you to cater something. <laughs> yeah. Well, because catering, I mean, I, I know from a business perspective, you try to teach people, you know, if you love catering, that's great, but it, it's not the steady income that you can plan on. And you're usually doing it at hours that you would probably like to be with your family. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, something that your uh, personal chef really has to work on like anything, figuring out what you really want to do with your business, but then really educating people through your marketing. Your marketing, when you're talking to and putting stuff in front of potential clients, has got to be solid and be able to communicate exactly what you do so that they understand it and see their realize their need that you know they have, just like yeah. any business. Yeah, and so you went through the school of hard knocks in figuring this out. You sent away for materials, you got them in the mail, you pieced yeah. together how to be a personal chef. Like you're having to go out there and basically sell yourself to a community where you have almost no connections. Mm -hmm. You don't have an email list. You, at that time, you didn't have a website. Like you really just had to kind of <laughs> put this together with, with guts and determination. Yeah, it was like Frankenstein, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and figure out your system. And so from that, you clearly learned a ton because I know that you've, you have clients who've been with you for a long time yeah. and you've cooked for some big names, you've had some really fun experiences. And so over the years, you really figured the system out. And so fast forward to now, you decided to put together a course, right? I know we <laughs> kind of talked about that and then, and then I sidetracked us. <laughs> Um, and so what was the purpose of putting this course together? 
Well, I'm at a point now, like I said, where my kids are both in school, in little guy school, they're elementary, one just started middle school. And I have the same clients I've had for a billion years. And I'm just doing that part time because my kids both have special needs. So there are 50 billion meetings and phone calls from the school and it takes more, everybody's kids are challenging and take a lot of time, but this has even more crap that comes with it. So I really wanted something that I could keep me home more and make a little more sustainable than having to, because you can't scale being a personal chef. I mean, there, I guess, are people who get a commercial kitchen and then hire people under them, but then that's kind of a different business. So yeah. when you're a personal chef, you work physically to get paid. And I wanted to take it a step further than that. Plus, I really think when you love to cook, you get sold that culinary school and working in a restaurant is the dream. Talk to anyone who loves to cook and their secret dream is to have a restaurant, even though logically they know that it's like the worst business ever in the world. And I've realized after all these years that being a mom, this is actually the best business of the, in the world. And there's not a ton of people doing it. And there's a ton of people that need to eat. So, and that have money to pay. Yes. Because it's actually, I know for us, like I, after you started this, I went back and I took a look. It was actually cheaper to pay somebody to do this for us than for me to take my time to go to the store and buy a bunch of stuff that we end up throwing away because I didn't actually cook meals. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's like, a, there's a lot of people like that, right? Mm -hmm. We have good intentions. We want to eat at home and not out. But the truth is, you know, seven o'clock rolls around and you're like, what are we going to have? Something fast. <laughs> yeah. And that's the great thing too. It's like whether they're doing takeout all the time or they, you know, even doing takeout all the time, if you have even the slightest little dietary need anymore, whether you're doing like dealing with one food allergy where you can't trust the food in a restaurant to be hundred percent peanut free or one of your kids will go into anaphylactic shock. Or if it goes all the way to you've got to do a keto diet or something particular for a specific health concern, it's like nearly impossible. And that takes yeah. exponentially more time and more planning and more struggling. And if you don't like to cook, forget it. You're screwed. Yeah. Because there's lots of people like you who not only love to cook, but really want to get paid to do it. And so for you, you took this whole school of hard knocks that you went through of, you know, Frankensteining your business together, but ultimately coming out the other end with a fabulous roster of clients who love you and who, you know, you're not having to work to go find tons of new business. They're there for you and you're there for them. And so you can turn around and teach other people how to do that without having to go through the school of hard knocks that you went through. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what I, I just loved how you, you know, packaged all of this up and said, okay, if I had to start over now, knowing what I know, what would I do? And you made it so doable for people. Um, if they love to cook, that would not be me. I don't love, to, <laughs> I don't love to go shopping at the grocery store. I don't love to clean up. <laughs> So, yes. So I would be a client for, the, for those. And there are a lot more of you than there are of us. And that's a good thing. That's right. Because we're willing to pay money for it. Okay. So when, when you decided to join Build Your Funnel Bootcamp, I know uh, one of the things that we talked about, we went back and forth on 
Facebook ads and just a whole bunch of stuff, right? Um, because you kind of have two sides to your business. You mm -hmm. have this side of Chef Shelly, who is the personal chef. And so you have that whole piece. And then you have this side where it's Chef Shelly, the teacher. I'm going to mm -hmm. teach you how to, how to open and create a thriving personal chef business. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's where you wanted to get the funnel because on the other side of your business, you've got all the business you, you want working right. the amount of hours you want to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as we were talking, I'd love for you to just tell people like, what was your biggest concern in thinking about creating a marketing funnel? Well, you know, it's so different than what I was doing. Like, you know, anyone who deals with clients on a one-on-one -on -one basis, face to face because I can't virtually cook. I, it was hard to transfer that into being online and the whole being able to sell to anyone and anyone who likes to cook would love to, you know, should want to do this. And I had tried to do a food blog for a little while and realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Just trying to drive all this traffic to creating recipes wasn't it. And so I went from sort of that online perspective to how do I figure out to get what I created in front of the right people? Yeah. So say the question again. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it, how confused I was makes me. Yeah, it's just. Well, and I, okay, so I just need to acknowledge you on this because this is what a lot of people, this is the journey of a lot of people. It's like, I have this passion, I have this skill, I have these things that I love to do, and I'm not sure how to package it up so that other, so that other people want to learn from me, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so my, my question was, what was your biggest concern around creating a marketing funnel? Uh, it was kind of like the, when you create a course, the, um, the sales technique, I guess you call it, that I saw all the time was launches. And a key component of that is, is that you build an email list, but you can't put it in front of them too often because that'll exhaust your list. So you basically are creating free content and trying to keep them engaged forever. And then once a quarter maybe, or maybe twice a year, you can sell to them. And while I understand that logically, emotionally, I was like, well, okay, I am not going to do all this work to sell four times a year. And so how I needed something that would be more consistent through time. Yeah. Like we need to eat every day. Right. We need to pay our bills. Like. <laughs> right. And I needed like, to be honest, a more consistent workload, like having yeah. kids again and a family. I didn't have time to be all in for a month to six weeks where everything else got ignored. Yeah. Whether Crossing your fingers that you make the sales that you want to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, um, and like I have clients that I've worked with who do launches and they do amazing, but I'm in the same boat as you. Like I have, I have two special need kids out of my three and we're busy. Like I need to contain my work to a specific amount of hours each week. 
And I also need flexibility to be able to run up to the school if I need to or right. have an appointment or whatever. And, um, and, and so launch has never really appealed to me as a way to run my business because uh, in all transparency, I've done a few, especially earlier on in my business that just didn't work. And I was like, I can't actually gamble six to eight weeks of my life of being all in plus the money and the emotional investment and have it not work. Yeah. I need something that can work day in and day out and that I can incrementally improve, but, <laughs> but not something that requires my 180% attention a hundred percent of the time. Right. And that was another thing, the whole, okay, you launch and then you learn from it and then you don't do it again for how long? It's yeah. like, I starting am too bad to do that. I need to be able to fix it, redo it, fix it, redo it, fix it, redo it until it's good. <laughs> until, and you know what, Shelly, you're like, like 99.9% .9 of people out there. There are very few people that can launch and be successful straight out of the gate. Very few. And the ones who are, they've got great teams that do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for them. Mm -hmm. um, because we do need to learn. We need to learn what our audience responds to. We need to learn what the right um, path is for them to go on. We need to learn a lot of stuff about who we're selling to. Not that you can't sell stuff. You definitely can't. But if you only launch, uh, like you said, if you do that in August and you can't launch again until February, that's a long time to be like, I hope it works this time. I hope I tweaked the right thing to, yeah. 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 Versus with a funnel. And I know you know this now having gone through it and built it with a funnel. When you set it up, um, when you set it up, how like I prefer to set it up, you are learning every day. Mm -hmm. You are constantly bringing people in. You're seeing what they're engaging with and you can make those little small tweaks and make it work better and better and better for you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, do you want to talk about what kind of funnel you ended up building? Sure. I have a webinar funnel. Yeah. And webinars, because I know Shelly knows this, I don't recommend that that's the first funnel that you build. So if you've never built a funnel before, it's, I don't typically recommend a webinar funnel because webinars can be challenging. I, I'm not saying that they're impossible, but I like to see, I like <laughs> to see, of, I like to see a webinar added onto a funnel that's already working. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know we kind of went back and forth on that, but you had done webinars before and felt comfortable with it. And so I said, okay, good. If you've done it before, then let's do them because they can be hugely effective. Um, but putting the time and effort into building a, a webinar that actually converts can be a lot. <laughs> and again, that's why I needed to, when I get this a little farther along, I am going to be doing it probably weekly. This is, you know, it's not something that I think I'm going to, oh, get it down next week and turn it evergreen and never touch again. I'm going to be live on that webinar every week as people are coming in until I get it where it needs to be. And that, so I know that that's not the simple answer that people want to hear, but that's the true answer, right? Like that's because, um, you know, people that talk about doing evergreen webinar funnels, that's amazing, but you need to make sure that, that webinar converts. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the only way to do that is to deliver it 
and see where am I, where are people dropping off? What kind of questions are they having? Like, what is it that they're saying afterwards so that you can keep tweaking it until it really works for you? Mm-hmm. And I know we, we talked about that quite a bit because I've had that happen. Like I've put together webinars that I thought, oh, these are fabulous. I'm teaching such great stuff. People loved them. People got a lot out of them, but not a lot of sales come, came from them. And I know that that can be the experience that people have a lot of times with webinars that they're like, I want to teach. I want to give so much. I want to give so much value. And people come and they get either overwhelmed or like, ah, there's so much that I have to do before I can buy your thing. And that's the problem that I found with my own webinar funnel. So I don't know if you want to talk to me about yours, but uh, it's really common. Yeah, it's, and that was one of the things I loved about what I learned in Build Your Funnel Bootcamp is that there are so many parts to the funnel, but when you have it finished, you can look at every single chunk of your funnel and see what could be improved, what did great, what tanked. And so at the top of my funnel, I did Facebook ads. I had an existing- That killed it. Like this just yeah, killed, you yeah, think killed it. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I mean, it all it. has to come out the bottom of the funnel, yeah. but yeah. Uh, that was not, that was something I would tweak, but that, that would be my, will be my number one go-to is Facebook ads. I was really happy with that. Um, I did, I love your three episode series on warming them up, inviting them in and going through the sequence of ads. So I had ads that were just content and then I had ads that were driving them to an opt-in and then I had ads that were inviting them to the webinar. So, and there were some people that, you know, went webinar right away and there are some that needed to go through that process. And there were a lot of people on my email list, I'll be honest, that were from when I was doing a food blog and had zero interest in being a personal chef. Yeah. But because I had all that set up, it was very clear what happened through Facebook ads, what happened through my email list. And what happened through organic stuff happening on my website. So that was invaluable to see. So then I had them go through a nurture sequence. And when they opted in for the webinar, there was a pre-webinar sequence. Then there was a live webinar, the webinar replay that emails went out for that. And then there was a post webinar sequence. And so I opened and closed the cart. So it did have that in common with a launch. I didn't just do an expiring bonus or discount. It opened it closed so I could, now I need to step back and look at everything and figure it out. Yeah, which is great. And so, and when you say sequence, just in case people aren't familiar with that, you're talking about emails, right? Yes, the automated e- email sequence that they went through once they opted in or registered for that webinar, yeah. Yeah, and so here's the fabulous thing. So that was a lot of work to set it up. You had to create the emails, you had to create the ads, you had to create um, the webinar, you, you, know, you had to create all that stuff. Now that's all created. And that, I don't, I don't want to gloss over that. Yeah. <laughs> it was... A crap ton of work. It took a long time to do it right. 
but the feeling on the other side of now having the asset is like holy Toledo. It's like having a child, sort of. <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah, birth it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah, having a baby, passing a kidney stone, and getting over being constipated all at the same time. It's yeah. just this huge relief. Because now when I'm going back and looking at it, I'm like, okay, I need to work on my nurture sequence. And I look at it and I'm like, no, I don't. It's there. I might need to tweak a thing or two or adjust something, but I have that asset. And it's that's it allows you to focus on more important things in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when you took a look at the numbers for your nurture sequence, so again, we're talking about emails, you can see how many people in your audience opened them. You mm -hmm. can see if they clicked on anything, mm -hmm. you can see what happened with each of those emails and you could see, okay, maybe this subject line might need to change, but the content of the email that is really solid. People mm -hmm. are loving that. Yes. Um, which is great because uh, like you said, again, you're not going to have to write 10 more emails or however many are in your sequences. You can say, okay, that piece worked pretty darn well. What mm -hmm. are the other things that I might need to take a look at? And that's really the power of having a marketing funnel and, and not just kind of throwing stuff out there and guessing because mm -hmm. you know what to look at, you know, like I can look at my ad stuff. Uh, was I attracting the right people? Were they engaging as they went through? Yeah, go ahead. And the hugest thing about that for me was because I had like an automated email sequence when someone opted in for my little e-cookbook or whatever, but that was also so broad that another thing that was invaluable was the um, playbook because mm -hmm. I didn't, I thought I knew who my ICA was. I had done the worksheets where I knew what kind of coffee she liked and where she wanted to buy a purse and all that crap that some things walk you through, which helped me not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but that helped me know exactly what I needed to talk about and the five levels of the... Customer awareness. Yes, the awareness of... There's level five where they don't know they have a problem, so they don't have a problem, they don't care, and don't waste your time, which was who I was trying to hit with just people who wanted recipes and like to cook. That's my level five. But the playbook taught me to try to take them through the levels and that they have to go through a journey that I wasn't recognizing because I've been through it already. And it was a long time ago. So I was just saying, no, you want to, you like to cook. You want to do this. This is totally awesome. You're going to love this. It's the best thing ever. And you it's perfect for you. It's just, don't you see, see, <laughs> don't yeah, you want this? Yeah. Not effective. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, though? I, I mean, I'm so thankful that you're willing to share this because this is actually the crux of almost everybody's marketing challenge. It's that we love our stuff so much mm -hmm. and we want to share it. Like it comes from a really good place. It comes from you saying, this has let me be a mom and a wife and run my own business and still have freedom. Like I want you to have this if you love to cook. So yeah. it comes from a good place, but it goes right over people's heads because they're not ready for that conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I needed that going through the whole journey to be able to walk them through it and speak to it. And again, it was work, but now I, it's so, I can speak to it so much better now. I have such a better understanding of who I'm talking to and what her challenges are. And when, you know, I talk to someone who does have concerns or whatever, I'm able to address it so much better because I can hear what they're saying and not what I think I need to tell them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so big because their question tells you where they are in that journey. Right. Right. And so, you know, okay, I need to go to level three. Like that's where they're at right now. And how do I move her forward to two and then one so that she's ready to make an informed choice for herself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also can make you so much more relatable because, because at level four, so for those of you who maybe haven't heard that episode, level four is basically like, I have this problem. I love to cook. I don't want to work in a restaurant. I want to have some freedom. I don't, I can't afford culinary school. What can I possibly do? I'm going to throw up my hands and I'm going to go get random jobs, right? Like that was you. Right. And that's probably a lot of the people that you are talking to and you have to meet them there. Mm -hmm. And you can't just meet them there saying, love to cook, become a personal chef. That worked with that ugly print ad on you only After through years. Yeah. Only years. because you wanted it. So like you were just like so curious of what the heck is this thing? <laughs> and because I was desperate. And like I said, I had seen that for years in the back of the magazine and never even like it went right over your head. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that is the most important thing I think you can ever do. And that's why the funnel persuasion playbook is set up how it is, is because it's hard. Like let's not even sugarcoat it. It can be hard work to get that journey. But once you have it, you have clarity. Here's what I talk about in Facebook ads. Here's what I talk about when I'm talking to people that I'm trying to attract. And then I have these other conversations once they've already raised their hands and said, yeah, I want to have this conversation with you. But I'm going to stay focused on this other stuff um, that I know is going to connect with them because that's going to bring the right people to me. And bringing the right people in is actually key to getting those sales at the end. Oh, yeah. You know, you could bring in 100,000 people who think, you know, recipes are great and love, you know, to get new recipes, but they're not probably going to buy because they don't love to cook. (laughs) I love the idea of them. Out of like a hundred people or maybe even a thousand, ten thousand, I don't the statistics on how many food blogs there are now and how many more there are gonna be is just astronomical. So when you take people who wanna cook and want recipes, there's a million, but out of that, only less than a handful are gonna wanna be personal chefs. So if I wanna talk about recipes, I need to do it to them after they've already shown they've been interested, because otherwise I'm talking to millions of people and I'm never going to get down to, I will lose those few because I won't be speaking to them. And those are the ones that I want and want it. Well, and how you would talk about recipes with them would even be different. It would be talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, 
planning to do a week's worth of meals? Or how do you cook for five families at once? Right. (laughs) You know, and you would be talking about a really different approach than just the standard, like, this is a great Monday night meal. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah. So thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people feel like, you know, I, I just need the right marketing words or I just need a beautifully designed lead magnet or I just need like this flashy thing, but it really is more about that connection, right? No. And it's like, you've said this too. You've said, it doesn't matter so much if your landing page is ugly If it's the right person and the right offer, that other stuff can be overcome. If you have a perfect landing page and it's absolutely beautiful and it says the perfect thing, perfectly persuaded, and those aren't the right people, they're either going to not opt in or they're going to opt in and drop, which is what I got a lot of before. Yeah. 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 And so these are just great lessons to learn. I mean, (laughs) you've been on this road of the school of hard knocks for a while. You're just continuing this with marketing, but but now you know like what questions to ask and what to look for, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Which I love. So how, how, you know, as you took a look at the things that didn't work, I know a lot of times, not you, but sometimes when things don't work in business, people start telling stories like, oh, my, you know, like, I'll never be successful. This will never work for me. How did you get past that? And, um, and just, you know, start to take a look at the data and say, okay, here's what worked and here's what I need to tweak. You know, it's a constant struggle. I'm not going to lie. It's just the whole thing of doing your own business. You know, it's not going to work and having someone tell you what to do and you try your best and then you get to go home. It's, you know, I try to stay focused on the fact that I'm doing this to try to help other people. So that helps, but I also tend to beat myself up for something's not going well, or if it's my problem too, it's not going as fast as I want it to go. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm obviously not working on this 60 hours a week. I have my regular clients and then I have my uh, family and everything else in life. So I work to stay like you said, I focus on the things that are going well or going well, and then try to adjust the things that need adjusting. Yeah. I, and I think that's the best we can do, right? Is mm. just keep moving the ball forward. You, you know, and we just got done with summer. Summer is really hard with kids. They're, you know, everything's up in the air. You run around all over the place and you did this anyway. Um, and I did not slow the car down on day one of school. The door opened, the kids rolled out. <laughs> I drove right home. <laughs> there was no crying <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> um, and so as you went through, I know we talked a little bit about this already, but what was your biggest aha? Was it just the, the levels of customer awareness or was there another big aha that you had? Yeah, most of it had to do with better understanding who I need to talk to and how I need to talk to them. That journey that I need to um, be the Sherpa or be the Obi-Wan. I didn't struggle from, I thought I was Luke Skywalker, but the you need to be Obi-Wan and realize that you can't just say, here's a lightsaber, go kill your father. Even if that's what needs to happen, that's not how you can do it. So 
that journey of learning, I guess, also so much about myself and how I have to present myself and all my marketing materials for them, no matter what I think it should. Yeah. That hasn't gotten me anywhere. <laughs> yeah, because we talked a bit about that. And, and, um, and one of the things that uh, I've done with a lot of people in Build Your Funnel Bootcamp or people who were interested is, is really take a look at what is your how to fascinate type. So I, I've talked about it before on the podcast, howtofascinate.com. Sally Hogshead has this quiz where you can take and it tells you how you fascinate people best. I don't get any money for it. I just find tremendous value from, from knowing what kind of marketer somebody is, because that's basically when you're trying to fascinate people, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get them to be interested in what you have. Huge. And I had not heard of that before. And I think that thing is amazeballs. I mean, not only in helping me sink into the most comfortable, effective way for me to do it, but also to be aware of the challenges and what I have to watch for in how I do it. Yeah, because that's really key. I mean, first of all, I never try to make somebody a marketer like me. I've tried to be, a, I've tried to run my business like somebody else who has a really different personality type. It doesn't work. You have to find your own voice and you really need to know how you show up best and how that comes across best. Um, and then you also, uh, as Shelly said, you need to know kind of what your pitfalls are and what to look for. And, um, you know, for me, it's a lot of it is um, perfectionism. Like I have to push myself to not wait for things to be perfect. That is one of my biggest pitfalls. And it's really important. And I, I, Shelly, I don't know if you want to share yours. I'm happy to share mine, but it's really important to know these things, right? Yes. Yes. And I am a primary prestige, secondary power. And so I too struggle with the putting out B plus work mm -hmm. or whatever. But for me, not only is that part hard, but I really struggle with, I will plan and plan and system and system and not do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll plan the crap out of it. But so learning to, you know, is this the thing that's going to help someone if you never get it out there? Yeah. Yeah. And you and I share prestige, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm prestige and mystique. But, um, and power is number three, just barely. Um, so I get it. Like, I totally get this. And, and that's part of what we work through is get it out there. Get some people through it. Get some feedback on it. And then, you know, where you can prestige it up. Like, you know, <laughs> all right, you know what you can focus on. Right. Right. What's I'm, good enough? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I've got nothing else to do, then I can sit back and work on making stuff prettier. Yeah. Yeah. Which will never happen because right. there's always, and it doesn't need to happen. It's pretty no. enough. It's yeah, pretty exactly. Because it's really about helping people. It's not about, putting on the perfect party dress and showing up perfectly, right? Right. And again, I don't want to say um, pretty enough to, you know, discredit or belittle what that actually means. It's anything from making it pretty enough to, like you said, you put out that million page long mm -hmm. opt-in that 
Nobody wanted, yeah, no, because you wanted it to be everything and put all your knowledge and all your, yeah, that's, yeah. And people were like, yeah, I don't don't have time for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, I've learned the hard way (laughs) and it costs me months and months and months in my business and not to mention a ton of money. And so I try to help people like, don't get stuck there make it good enough and get it out there and get and see what works. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So now that you have your funnel, how do you feel about, you know, driving traffic to it weekly and kind of letting it do its thing and the incremental changes? It's still hard. I'm not going to lie. It's just hard. Like I said, now the assets are done and it's the tweaking And so I'm still really challenged by speaking to the right people. That is still the hardest part I have. Well, that in sales, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like you said, the Facebook ad was really good. My email open rates were really good. My um, webinar registration rate could have been higher, but it was okay. My engagement during the webinar was off the charts and my sales sucked. Yeah. So that tells me my biggest problem is how the webinar was presented. And as a prestige, we're very presenty. So not shocking that that is where the disconnect was because of all the people on that webinar. That was not probably the biggest percentage. And I probably wasn't speaking to anyone else. So now I'm going back and working on that. And I can't getting it out again this month to retweet the webinar and everything and do it again. And I'm super excited about it. Now it's exciting. Yeah. And we talked about it because, you know, I've made those same webinar mistakes. And so when I went through and took a look at it, I was like, Oh, I see exactly. I see exactly what (laughs) needs to change. Right. And then we were able to talk through it. Um, And I'm excited to hear how it goes after sort of the relaunch. But um, being able to, to know, okay, this is, this is where the disconnect was. Like, it's nothing about this won't work or anything. I just need to kind of tweak this a little bit and try it again. It's a, it's a different approach. Yeah. And that's where we're, being able to work with you has been insane. Because if I just bought a course on how to put a funnel together, I would have put it together and it didn't work as well as I wanted it to. And then what do you do? Like, I would not have known about the things that you said about, you know, not only my personality, but about, you know, formalizing or finalizing that journey of my ideal client and being able to bring those things together well. I, you know, I would have like finished some course and had a funnel put together that didn't work and I don't even know what I would have done instead of being able to get that feedback and identify the problem and then rework it. Yeah, it's invaluable. It. It's huge. Yay. And that's, that's why I put Build Your Funnel Bootcamp together the way I did, even though people say I'm crazy, is because I feel like once you've done the work and you have a funnel in place, having somebody who has more experience take a look at it and say, here's where you can tweak. I know for me, that would have been invaluable when I was first starting. So I didn't have to learn it the hard way myself. Yeah. Right? And it's not even like a weekly group call where you're, I mean, people might be listening to this, you know, five years from now when you're not doing this anymore, but right now, (laughs) it's not just like a weekly group call where you're hoping that you get to your question or, you know, you don't get a specific answer or any of that. It's like the one you looked at my funnel and you 
gave me feedback. You looked at my funnel persuasion playbook and we talked about it. I mean, yeah, I have a handful of courses in my online business portfolio and nothing, nothing has been as valuable as this. Oh, thank you so much. So just real quick, as we wrap up, if you were talking to a friend um, that was considering Build Your Funnel Bootcamp, what would you say to them? I would say it's not even about the funnel that much because anybody can put a funnel together. It's about the marketing that I learned more about understanding my ideal client from this than any other thing I've read or tried or watched or anything. And that part and the being able to work with you, it's, and this is going to sound, all right, take this the way it is intended and not the, what literally what I'm going to say, because this is going to sound like you're paying me and you're not paying me, but I really feel this way. And this has inspired me so much because I want people to feel like this about me and about my course. So I really feel like it was worth so much more than you charged, like ludicrously. Like if I were a better person, I would probably try to give you more money, but I'm not. <laughs> now you use that money for Facebook ads. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, it's, yeah, it's like having a business coach work you through it. That's what it is. It's not a course. Oh. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey and those fabulous words. And, you know, in all honesty, you paid me. I didn't pay you. I know, right? <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that I get a ton of value out of seeing this transformation in people that go through the course or that I work with. And, um, and I just, I really want to applaud you for doing the work, for diving in, for taking the feedback and for being so open to work through it. Because that's what I love to do. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So I am, um, I, so I just want to say thank you for coming on. I'm going to let people know where to find you, where, if they were interested in taking a look at, um, your course, where would they go to see that? Sure. Um, the best place to go is right now chefintheburbs.com. And on there, there is a post right on the homepage about how I became a personal chef. And there's a great infographic that tells you, you know, what you would need to do so you can get an idea if it's what's for you. And if you want more information, you can opt in right there. Wow. Thank you so much, Chef Shelley, for sharing that incredibly valuable story and insights and learnings and just your everything about you with us. So if you want to check her out uh, for winks, winks, links to her website and funnel, head on over to today's show notes, which I'll post at michellelevans.com forward slash 48, or of course, in whatever app you're listening to the podcast in. So I've got a question for you. Isn't it time for you to create your first profitable marketing funnel to attract leads, to nurture them into fans, and convert them into sales automatically? It's so possible, even if you think you're not good at marketing. Today, you know, we talked about Chef Shelley's journey and, and what she learned and just the deeper insights that she has into her audience. And that's really what's possible with a marketing funnel. And you don't have to get it perfect or right straight out of the gate. In fact, Big, big, big secret, most people's funnels do not work perfectly when they first launch them. It's really through this 
you know, going back and taking a look at what happened and saying, okay, here's what worked really well and here's what didn't. And tweaking and learning and growing, that's when you start to get marketing that just works so amazingly well and it gives you confidence and clarity in who you're talking to and what they wanna hear from you. It's That's why I love uh, marketing funnels so much. So if you're ready to get serious about creating a consistent flow of leads and sales in your business, again, jump on over to today's show notes and take the marketing funnel quiz. You'll discover the perfect marketing funnel for you in just a few simple questions. And I'll even give you some free training, some free video training on how to get that funnel up and running fast. So I hope that you have a really fantastic week and I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place on another great episode of The Marketing Funnel Show. See you then. 